WRKS Pickens Jackson. We are good to go. With more of the Matt Wyatt Show. Coming to you direct and live. All right, back with you. I'm Matt in the Bureau. So that rant to end hour one was not entirely planned. <laughs> now, the subject was, but I just got a little fired up. Thanks for understanding. It's free for all Friday. We can let her rip tater chip. Cody agreed on the YouTube live stream, said the higher it goes, the dumber it gets. No true words. <laughs> and Will, actually talking about the four-year maximum contract stuff for coaches in the state of Mississippi, said it actually helps the state because, for example, thank goodness we didn't have to pay Joe Moorhead like 10 years of buyout money. So there's probably some truth in that, right? Two sides of every coin, and that's an example. All right. Here we are, hour two, just getting underway, staying connected to you because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. C Spire, customer inspired. Check them out, cspire.com. I told you all yesterday, my, my iPhone there cracked the back of it. I dropped it. It was sitting in my lap, and I got out of the car, and bang, it hit the ground, and the back part cracked across there. But everything else is fine. I generally take care of it. And the front's working, not cracked. So I think I'm going to hang on to it for a while. But I did see the sign. They got deals on that iPhone 14 going on. So that may be happening soon. I could wait. We're getting closer and closer. Uh, about halfway to my birthday. I could you know, maybe just give it to myself as a birthday gift. But anyhow, you know, those those in big, important decisions that we make. <laughs> That's right. Like, what to talk about next? Who was it here? Um, uh, is it Leeton or Leighton? See, the spelling of your name is like Leeton, Alabama, uh, up there east of Muscle Shoals, Alabama, kind of in that area. Uh, but it may be Leighton. But anyway, he says, it's Friday, and Matt's going to bat for Lane. Full moon or something? <laughs> Love this show. I, I just appreciate the honesty. Uh, more coaches don't do it because these idiots on – ESPN and people like Feinbaum and others, they grin and pat them on the back, and then as soon as they get away from them, then they criticize them to no end and call them hypocrites when all the world he's doing is telling the truth. Yeah, I swear to you, we have, in SEC country, we have, well, let's just say the SEC, has the best of everything, the best stadiums, the best colleges, the best fan bases, the best tailgating, the best atmospheres, the best teams, the best uniforms, <laughs> the best everything. And we have the worst officiating and the worst media. <clears throat> Period, hands down, of any conference out there. It, I don't even know that it's close. Did you know <laughs> that in the media voting, Somebody voted and gave Vanderbilt, I think it was seven first-place votes in the Eastern Division this year. Did you realize that? That don't make no sense. I know it. It certainly doesn't. Yeah, I know. It's a little bit like preaching. Jared commented on Facebook. He said, Texas A&M is about to be paying what Florida and South Carolina are paying combined to say bye to Jimbo. 
<laughs> no, I did an interview this week with a guy in Louisiana and on his show, and, he, and we got to the end of it, and we were like, can you believe we've talked for 20 minutes about the upcoming season and we hadn't even mentioned Texas A&M yet? And we were like, why is that? And I and he agreed. I said, I'm kind of the same way. It's like when I think about A&M, I think they've got great facilities, humongous spectacle of a stadium, a great fan base. They're going to have a bunch of high draft picks, and they're going to win eight games. <laughs> Just there they are. And until you see otherwise – you know, why should we look at it any other way? And I think that's why they maybe they'll be better this year. I don't know. We'll see. We shall see. All right, so get on in here. You can be a part of the show. I hope you will be a part of the show. You know, it really helps the show to hear from you. So if you're on the live stream, watching Facebook, YouTube, type in a comment, hit submit, it pops up right here on the screen. We can bring you into the conversation that way. Or you could text me on the country pleasing text line, country pleasing sausage. On grocery store shelves throughout the southeast. I'm on some jalapeno and cheddar this week. Man, and, and I cooked it perfectly this morning for breakfast. I was so proud of myself. It was just the right size pieces in the skillet. And it was just the right cook where it's cooked all the way through with that little bit of a crust on the outside, on both sides. When you bite it, there's this little crunch and snap on the outside. I could go for it right now. 885-3776. That's the number to text, country please, and text line. 885-3776 or 885, if you want to remember it this way, 885-ESPN. Call me. I get to hear your voice. That number's on the screen, too. It's on the live scrolling on the bottom there. See it? 601-995-1059. So give us a call. 995-1059. Quickly. More Bully knows that we are here to please, and he texts the show, and give me. he says, give me an open update, please. Yeah, the Open Championship at um, Liverpool, Royal Liverpool, Hoylake. Here's the deal. Is it the British Open or not? I just remember it being referred to as a British Open, and years later they have changed it here. It's just the Open. Brian Harmon, lefty from Georgia. You know, he had a really good showing in the U.S. Open. Didn't win, but had a really good showing. Lefty, little short guy. Man, he can flat out play. I like him. He's an outdoorsman. He, he likes deer hunting and golf. <laughs> and he's great at both. Apparently better at golf. And uh, he's leading. He went out there and shot 65 today. So a 67 yesterday. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I think it's par 71 there, right? Yeah, so he's 10 under. So he's 67 yesterday. And four under, he's six under today on his round. And in the clubhouse, he's the leader. Six under today, he's at ten under. So there ain't nobody within five shots of him. The guy right now who's on the course in second place is Tommy Fleetwood through 14. He's at five under, but that means his round today is he's dead even. So he's just kind of holding on where he, where he was uh, after yesterday's round at five under 66. So there you go. There's an update. Defending champ Cameron Young, he's T3 right now through 13 today. He's four under, and he was plus one yesterday, so that's got him three under for the tournament. So he's tied for third in a group of players that right now, early in the tournament, are three under. 
but still, seven shots back of a guy like Harmon who, boy, has he ever more set himself up for the weekend. And I, we've had a lot going on. I have not had a chance to watch it. But more bully, there you go, man. There's your update. Hope that satisfies you. You're not watching it? Y'all don't have a t- hey more bully. Y'all don't have a TV out at the pool. <laughs> it's one of those outdoor TVs, man. Sit out in the pool, watch the open. Beaver says y'all are skinny dipping. <laughs> I could send out that picture and let people judge for themselves, but I don't guess I'll do that. All right, back over to the text line, the country pleasing text line. Grumpy says, Matt, Grumpy is enjoying the show, sitting in the parking lot at Popeye's, enjoying chicken and coleslaw. Don't tell Mrs. Grumpy. You're not supposed to be eating that. I mean, she's just going to have to get over it, Grumpy. Tell her I said that. Man cannot go his whole life and not eat some Popeye's chicken and coleslaw. What about those biscuits? Hey, Grumpy, tell the truth, man. How many biscuits did you get? (laughs) That's good stuff. And doggone it, we we discovered back months ago, and Mary Lydia and I discovered on YouTube, we got the biggest kick out of watching this, and it was these British school-age kids. Um, they, they got their little uniforms on, you know, and they were eating like American food for the first time. One of the things they had was biscuits and gravy for the first time, and it was their reaction. It was really kind of fascinating. And they just put a new one out a couple of weeks ago, and I didn't get a chance to watch it. I told her we were going to, and I have to this point forgotten. But they did a video, these same group. It says British school kids eat Popeye's chicken for the first time. I'm going to go watch that. Trey texts the show. What's up, Trey? Trey's going to have to get himself a new driver. He broke it, sent us a picture yesterday. But it was about 11 years old. Trey said, Matthew, it's so hot here in the Delta and everywhere else. But you can see the heat. Gave me a hashtag, Hail State. You know what? We were driving the other day, and Mary Liddy said, what is that? What do you call that? That when you look down the road far away, it looks shiny almost like water. But it's just the heat coming up, and it looks shiny. I was like, and I told her how it's called a mirage. or And I also kind of versed her on the fact that Bugs Bunny calls it a mirage. <laughs> mm-hmm. All true. All true. Yeah, it's that kind of hot. It sure is. And I won't give the details away just yet. Uh, the plan is that I will be on the air with y'all some next week, each day next week, from somewhere else. I'm going somewhere else, and I'll be there, and it's going to be much cooler there than it is here. You have to tune in next week to find out where I am. So, uh, how's that for a tease, a four-day tease? That's coming up. You want to make sure you tune in to that. <laughs> All right. Uh, here's some more recapping from SEC Media Days. We didn't get to it earlier. But there's more in this. So, let's get to it. After yesterday, Lane Kiffin, oh, shoot. Oh, shoot. We got to put this on hold. We got to put this on hold. Because if I don't go to this phone call right now, if I, if I play this – Lane Kiffin soundbite without going to this phone call right now. He'll get his feelings hurt and be mad and call back, and he'll say, Matt White, I'll tell you what, and he'll go into something. So let's go on over to the uh, Divinity Equipment phone line, Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson, where more bully is hanging on line one live 
from the swimming pool. What's up, Bully? Man, what a great segue. <laughs> I, thank you very much. That was really, it was pretty much on point. You are at the swimming if pool? I had to say so myself. No, I'm not in the swimming mm. pool. But about two more hours I'll be there. I do have a TV, but you think I don't have a TV at my pool? Come mm. on. So you are a high-tech redneck. You, you are a high-tech redneck. Oh, huh? yeah. You're high class. Uh, hey, I was calling you, number one. Uh, what's Rory doing? He is currently T13 at one under. Today, Sheesh. today he went one under. He's one, one under. With a round yeah. of seven. So he was par yesterday, 71. He goes one under 70 today. And, you know, here's the thing about it, more bully. You, you probably got more experience following it than I do. You know, I look at it and go, Okay, if it weren't for Harmon just exploding yesterday and today, yeah, you're talking about Rory McIlroy's in great shape. He's only f- he'd, he'd be four shots out of what is the lead right now, a guy in second place who's still on the course. Problem is Harmon's in the clubhouse at ten under for the tournament. So when you have one guy like that who shoots out ahead at an event like this, you kind of if you're Rory, you kind of have to hope that he blows up over the next couple of days. That's the only thing you can do. Yeah. Oh. Um. And Rory was just scrambling yesterday, big yeah. time. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you saw it, but he had to make a 43-foot putt <laughs> on 18 yeah. to par. Right. And he sinked it. Yeah, that would be um, sunk. He sunk it. Cool. That was a big putt, too. Yeah. Uh, you could tell he did a Tiger fist pump on that one. <laughs> um, um, but I like the course. The course is pretty sweet. How about this? Uh-oh. How about this? Today, there, it is yeah. it is sixty three degrees with the wind blowing twelve miles per hour there today. Oh, is that where you're going next week? <laughs> <laughs> nope. It looks, have you watched any of it today? Oh, not today. I haven't. Okay, I don't know if it's raining or not, sprinkling rain or not. I don't know. Mm, it was supposed to be coming in. Mm-hmm. I think tomorrow is supposed to be pretty. Crazy. Um, uh, if see. I remember correctly, from what they said. Yeah. Okay. But I do, I do have a theory on why they changed the name to the Open and dropped British, because you know it can be it's played in Scotland too. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. probably somewhere else. But so I, I, that's my theory on why they dropped British. Yeah. But who knows? I know it makes sense um, because, but, like U.S. Open, we're playing it in the U.S. Period. End of story. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So, here's a question: Do you like, do you like the U.S. Open going around different courses, or would you rather have it like the Masters? Oh no, I, I mean, I like it moving around because I can't really imagine it not. You know. Yeah. Me too. I guess it's in it, that's almost like a sh- social experiment trying to answer that question because, you know, so much about what we're used to. And I know that's not always yeah. good. It's not always we shouldn't always be be beholden to whatever we're used to. It's just like I think about the Masters. The Masters is so much about the course, and and that's what we're used to. That's what we're used to. Yep. And the U.S. Open, like I don't. That's one I don't want to see it at the same. Because honestly, maybe it's the coverage, but the places that they go for the U.S. Open are not a spectacle themselves on TV the way Augusta is. True. You know. Yep. But, you know, 
I mean, in the U.S. Open as well, if you think about it, Matt, it's all about the course there, too. Well, it is. it's set up so different. Well, and it's set up so different, and it's, a, it's during the summer, so it's baked out. A lot of times it's yep. brown, right? It's brown and ugly. Like that page black. Yeah, you know, and so it's not a – it's like a whole different deal. It's like a lot of the times the U.S. Opens, like they're playing it in a – on a concrete parking lot, you know, hit a putt and <laughs> hope that it stops. And and I don't know. And I'm kind of like Phil said. Like Phil said at Beth Page Black, and it was a ridiculous setup. I mean, having to water greens between players. Yeah. And it's like you want them to be competitive. You don't want it to be just a crazy circuit. Yeah. Like you want to be intrigued by players and moving up leaderboards and that kind of stuff. Not yeah. This course is awful. Hey, and listen, I'm yeah. just going to be honest with you. That's one of the reasons that I love watching European golf. Okay, so like, you know, European tour stuff. You know how you can like, I've done this for many, many years. You get up early on a Sunday morning, flip it over on a golf channel, and you're watching some tournament in yep. the afternoon, you know, in, in another part of the world. <laughs> and and yeah. it's, it'll be hot here and cold there, but it looks so different. The look is... Is so different. Well, when they go and play these open championships on these links courses in Scotland and all of the place over there, like where they are now, it, it's just so cool to to look at it because it looks so different than any of the tournaments we seems like we watch here. Um, and so, for me, and I think for a lot of people, just like in the in the open championship, you want to see them challenge, like. You want to see these guys hitting low stingers that they're trying to make it run on the ground for 200 yards. You know, that different style of golf. You like to see that stuff. But I don't I don't necessarily like to watch when they do the U.S. Open deal. And every so often, like you say, they have to water the greens between players. They cannot yeah. hold a ball on the green. Guy hits a shot that should spin and stick, and it rolls off, and he's in a bunker. I, I get tired of watching that. Because it almost feels like yep. it almost feels like luck comes into play too much when they do that. That's exactly right. I think a U.S. Open should be, you know, a five underscore wins it. Mm. I would be satisfied with if they set it up that way. Yeah. Where, like, at best page, but I think it's ninety six. Did the winners finish over par? I don't know. I, that, Kind of seems familiar. I'm not sure though. I mean, I know it's happened. Who knows? Hey, how, yeah, it has happened. How, how would you feel but, if? Um, how would you feel if you got into the the Open Championship, and after two days you missed the cut, finished dead last at 22 over? How would you feel about it? <laughs> Lucky <laughs> <laughs> to have been there. I mean, you know. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I mean, professionals have such a different mindset than we do, you know? Yeah, so whoever this uh, is, I, and I, I, tell you, I can't read the name. Was, His first name is Jazz, J-A-Z-Z. But, again, tough course and conditions and everything. He goes out, shoots 81-83, and he's dead last and misses a cut. You know, he's at the very bottom at a plus 22. And I'm like, you know, okay. I, I just wonder those guys, how do they – does a guy like that think about quitting? Is he thinking about quitting, or is it just a bad uh, day? No, he's not quitting. Okay. I mean, he made the U.S. Open. 
you know? Yeah. And I think that's just a win right there. John Daly. That's just uh, me because I'm sitting here, you know, yeah. Who I am. <laughs> you're you're just at the you're but, you're skinny dipping in the pool watching it on TV. Look, John Daly I, missed the cut. He was uh he shot uh back to back six overs. So he was plus six yesterday, plus six today, so he's plus twelve, misses a cut. Uh but hey, you can't be consistency. Hey, Dustin Johnson was a shot worse. He went Oh man, DJ oh Yeah. DJ and um Oh, who was it? Uh, Justin Thomas. Yeah, he bad day, man. Yeah, bad day. <laughs> Real bad. I felt bad for him. Felt uh, bad for they him. They talked about him yesterday. Yeah. Why they, would you feel bad for him? talked about him yesterday. Because he's had it rough. Uh, are you talking about DJ? Yeah, what do you mean he's had it rough? I hadn't, I hadn't kept up. And, I don't know. Oh, he, he shot. I don't even know what he shot, but yesterday he was like, he triple bogeyed the 18th. Oh, did he really? And oh. missed the putt, like, you know, by a hair. Yeah. Because that's just kind of the day he had. But, I mean, he's won two majors. Hey, that's what I'm saying. And I don't feel bad for him. He's fine. He's fine. Well, you, you can tell he's struggling. You can tell <laughs> it's mentally exhausted. And it happens to him. They get out of the zone, and it happens to him sometimes. All right. Well, I won't say that loud. Yeah. You know, you get those things on the golf course. Yeah. Uh, yep. don't, don't say that word out loud. All right, thank you. Appreciate the phone call. Right, Good to talk to more bully live from the swimming pool. He'll be skinny dipping, watching TV, watching the open later today. <laughs> That's enough of that, isn't it? All right. Rolling along with you. I'm Matt. Stick around. Winning the game or even losing the game. You're going to hear about them all and get to talk about it with Matt Wyatt right here, right now. Does Mazda even make trucks anymore? What happened to Mazda? All right, back with you. I'm Matt. In the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio, Farm Bureau, go! With the home team. Somebody said, and more bully said he felt bad for Dustin Johnson. I said, why? <laughs> Jared commented on Facebook and says, DJ really has it rough with that $125 million check from Liv. Great golf career, $135 million in three majors. $20 million a year in sponsorships and a beautiful family to enjoy. I mean, push through this rough time, he's going through right <laughs> he said what more bully tell us how bad tiger has had it next <laughs> thanks for the comment there jared recapping media days there's some more stuff here we didn't get to it earlier so now's a a good time to do that uh we heard the the comment earlier from lane kiffin about that no system and he's exactly right in what he said 100 right you know, he even said, you know, it's they're going to make money. Okay, fine. But you got to have a system. And, like, people go, hypocrite, coaches leave. Look, coaches have contracts and that are enforceable by law. Everybody kind of knows it, right? And, and that's part of it. And that's the point that he's making is that you're going to exchange money. Great. But there's got to be some sort of binding agreement for both sides or else 
this is all asinine, which then, you know, they, they have contracts, which then leads it back over into just how silly, because what he's saying is true, how silly it is that everybody refers to this as NIL when, in fact, it is pay for play and it is pay to stay. And if it's pay for play and pay to stay, which he confirmed it is, and these mushy heads out here want to chew him up for it, he's like, well, if it is pay for play, then whoever's paying them need to have some sort of contractual agreement. Are we paying him to play for one year? Are we paying him to play for three? <laughs> if we're paying him to play for four years, and that's the agreement, and he leaves before that's up, what's the buyout? That's what you have with coaches. Say, so, yeah, at least you can understand what you have with coaches. That's the point that he made. And people don't want to talk about that. They just want to see if they can find something to gripe about. That's the way I see it. All right, so he also talked about what is the fix. Well, and, and rightfully so. He said, well, if we're going to complain, what's going to be the fix? And he admitted, I don't know what the fix is. Yeah, I don't like... You know, it's like I tell our staff, I don't like you to tell me the problems, but not the solution. So um, I feel like that in this one, um, that I don't have the exact solution because it is so complicated. And the commissioner, who's much more educated than I on these things, because I used to say they should be employees, so they can have real contracts. So when you come, you know, you can sign somebody to a two, three, four-year contract, you know. And um, But th there's way more issues. You know, that solves one problem. He said, but then it opens up five, ten more when they're actually employees of a university. So um, I don't have the exact answers. I've always said when asked to shorten the windows um, so at least we know what your roster is and, and you know, not so, not so many chances for players. Because really, I mean, I don't, I, like I said, I like the players get paid, but you don't, there's no other system like it. Like the player, I, I've told our players, I've told our our parents of our significant players, like it is a great time to be a kid or a parent, okay, with where college football is. I'm like, they'll probably eventually fix this, so you will be this one window of a couple years where you literally can leverage your program every window, and or you can go into, you can go into free agency and find the most money out there. And now we're seeing you really get paid three times if you want to. You can get paid coming out of high school. You can one-time transfer, go in, get the most money, get paid again. Then you can grad transfer and get paid again. So eventually you're not going to be able to do that, I would think, um, and have that leverage basically every semester to do that. So uh, I've told them it's an awesome time for them. So there you go. And he's right. They um, have the leverage. Uh, there's never really been anything ever <laughs> at that level with that much money involved professionally where you had this sort of situation where there's all the leverage, even legally as it stands right now, there's all the leverage on strictly one side of this deal. And so, yeah. They can, you know, if a good player, you know, people go, well, a coach can leave. Well, he can. Again, he has a contract. But let's say, let's say Lane Kiffin went last year to, or his agent did, and said, hey, look, Auburn wants him. They're trying to hire him for this amount of money over here. Well, Ole Miss is certainly within its rights to go, well, go ahead and go. We're not paying him that. 
go ahead and go and get their people in touch with my people because they're going to owe us a buyout. We'll take the money. We'll hire somebody else. That's their decision to make, but you got a contract. You can deal with all that. Otherwise, you finish out the contract or decide you're going to stay and not go. You know, so you got a structure to operate under. <laughs> and that's what the entire world operates under. Well, because of a lack of a governing body that has right now some a lack of power to govern or enforce its own rules legally in this state legally in that state it's different because you don't have any some sort of overall structure well that's what he's saying is <clears throat> i think the next thing would be states that right now have put a law in the books and signed it in the law that says, hey, the NCAA can't come in here and uh, legislate this. Well, because they have that law, then that school and its collective that is actually paying the players can then legally, according to that state's law, enter into a contract with that player. And so we may have that for all we know. It's just not disclosed. But a college player who he and his family are reps have said, okay, I'm going to play at Missouri. We have that law here that says we can, and so we do a contract, and a collect, collective says, well, here's a contract, and in this state, it's, you know, it's binding legally. <laughs> We're going to pay you this, but if you break the contract and leave after a year, you owe us this, or the school you're going to owes us this. You see, like, that's the same thing you do with a coach. It's basically the same thing that you would do with a coach. Um, regarding, we didn't hear this earlier in the week, but regarding players being employees, Greg Sankey spoke on that earlier in the week. I think you know there's also been an ongoing effort to deem student-athletes as employees of institutions or conferences or the NCAA. I have yet to have a conversation with an engaged, participating student-athlete who says they want to be deemed an employee of their institution or the conference. Efforts like those that have happened in California mandating revenue create new threats around the support of Olympic and women's sports. The bill that was introduced that has been delayed failed to adequately recognize the existing requirements of Title IX, and we were pleased to see the engagement and the efforts of the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee to share their concerns along with the women's sports foundations. Efforts to simply upend the collegiate model place in jeopardy the opportunities for thousands of student-athletes for decades to come. You hear the, the first part of that. You know, he said, I have yet to talk with a student-athlete who is interested in being an employee, being deemed an employee of their university. You know, and I hear that, and I go, well, yeah. Why would they want that? <laughs> Especially considering where they are now. Why on earth would they want that? Considering what they have now. I mean, every possible advantage now because of the lack of structures on behalf of a player in terms of leverage and negotiating if he wants to get into negotiating and getting money. And, you know, there's all kinds of other stuff. Like, because I'm sure the conversations have gone this way. Hey, look. You know, if you become an employee of the school, we're not going to pay that tuition also. <laughs> I mean, that ain't how it works. So, 
if you become an employee, one of the things we slice right off the top of what we're paying you is the cost of the tuition you're getting to go to school here if you're going to be an employee. like Because, I mean, we can't just pretend that didn't exist because it does. I'm out here charging 24000 enrollees tuition. I can't have 80 of y'all I don't charge. You go, well, I'm on scholarship. Yeah, but somebody's paying for it. The, the athletics department is giving the money for the tuition over to the university, you know, and all this kind of stuff. So there's all these different, like, like Lane Kiffin said, you fix one issue by making them employees doing contracts, but then you create 10 more. So certainly it is complicated. But like Sam Pittman said yesterday, Sam Pittman, the Arkansas head coach, like he said yesterday, a lot of them believe that you could be a little smarter in the windows of the transfer portal, like when they're open and when they're not, to sort of corral some of that that's going on. Make it, you know, pay them fine, but make it a little easier for coaches and universities to kind of manage their rosters, understand who's on it, who's not, and then it gives it would give them they tighten those transfer portal windows up or do away with one of them, then it gives staffs a much clearer idea of when they can get out and begin to recruit high schools. Right now, they just really can't do it, especially that second that spring transfer window. Somebody leaves then, you got no choice but to fill that spot in the transfer portal because you play in three months. So there's no high school deal there. All right. We'll wrap up the week the right way. Bible questions with Terry Fant coming up. I'm Matt. Stick around. All right, back with you. I'm Matt in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team. Well, we're wrapping up a week here. And for those who are joining us on the live stream via video, which is back, one thing that i uh, glad to have back for y'all and those of us on the radio and listening on the live stream have heard uh, over the recent weeks and months, we'll finish up the week, hopefully the right way, <laughs> which I know it is the right way, a Bible question or two with my friend Terry Fant. He is the pastor at Hickory Ridge Baptist Church in Florence, and he's on your radio right now. As we speak, Terry, happy Friday to you, sir. How you doing? I'm doing very well, Matt. How about you? As far as I know, I'm okay. <laughs> hey, well, hey, you got a little. You did get a little fired up early. I'm, I'm glad to know that you. You know, your heart rhythm's back in. Everything's good. Yeah, you know that is is old. The older I get, the more dangerous that kind of stuff becomes. You know, <laughs> I'm gonna be ranting one day and just fall over dead and. Like a rifle shot, go to heaven. And and Beaver calls me ranty Matt when I do that. So it is good that I have calmed down. But Yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, speaking of, you know, um, a very I took a very non-passive approach to that subject. And I was wondering, so, you know, there are some verses in the Bible that a lot of us are familiar with and, and that I've read recently and contemplated on and thought about, like, for instance, um, 
you know, wait on the Lord or be still and know that I am God, which is in Psalms. But, but that's not telling me to be passive or inactive, right? Like, where do we start that conversation, Terry? One hundred percent, it's not. Oftentimes, we take a spiritual truth and we generalize it and we apply it specifically to everything. For instance, when God said, "Stand still today, keep your swords in their sheath," you know, in the Old Testament, and see the salvation of the Lord. Well, sometimes He did say, "Keep your." sword and sheath, but other times he said, pull your sword out and get your shields and, and let me go, keep me ahead, but I'm going with you, you're going to fight today. Right. So yeah, it doesn't mean, uh, passivity is a dangerous thing, especially in the area of leadership, and specifically when you think about men, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Think for a minute about the NIL, the pay for play, we'll call it what it is. All right. Um, when you think about that, because people sat back and didn't say much until it happened, you end up with a mess because... You know, a lot of passive thoughts were in the background. Right. And not no no action was taken ahead of time. N- nobody wanted their to be in a position where their neck was on the chopping block and th- and that was Come on. Th- they were being cowardly about it. And you know what, Terry? Um not I'm not gonna name a but you know, a specific no. person, but a- in that context that's one of the complaints from people like the commissioners of the conferences was that over the years they had very weak leadership at the NCAA level. And it put them behind. It made them, their passivity let them all sort of be overtaken. And so so when you talk about leadership, it sort of speaks to the importance, doesn't it, of, it does. of being in a leadership position, which if we read the Bible, you're talking to, you know, about men. We're in leadership positions, especially in our families. Absolutely. Matt, when you look back to the original fall, what oftentimes referred to as original sin, you know, what happens there is Adam is created first Mm -hmm. in Genesis 2 and 3, and he's given a will to follow and a garden to tend before Eve is ever created. And so God allows him to name the animals, and he creates a woman uh, to be his help because he said one thing that wasn't good in creation was for man to be by himself. Right. And so it came time at the, at, the, at the tree, you know, of knowledge of good and evil. The enemy doesn't come to the man, he comes to Eve. And when he starts tempting Eve, I used to think when I was younger, well, maybe the man is over in the pecan orchard or something. He's just, you know, no way would he be passive and just let it happen. But then when you read that passage, it says, and she took and ate of the fruit and gave to her husband who was with her. Yeah, he was right there. That's Genesis 3, 6 through 9. Yeah, so he and he's there with her. He yeah. was right there. He just sat there, passive. Mm-hmm. And my goodness, think about the passive the destruction that's happened because of his passivity. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and when you think about it in the area of finances, when you mm-hmm. think about it in the area of marriage, raising children, if you just sit back and let it happen, it'll happen. Mm-hmm. But it won't happen in a way that, that honors God and blesses the person. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, you, you know, sort of, um, you know, the cowardly. And, and really, the, I would say, I mean, I, I don't think, Terry, it would be going too far. And I'm just pointing at myself. In the times in my mm-hmm. life where I've sat back and I've, I've been passive and not kind of stepped up in a leadership role where I was supposed to, it, it, I could point to myself and say it was, it was as much cowardly as it was anything else. Right? 
Right, like you said earlier, you know, not willing to put your put your neck out, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. not willing to suffer the consequences, whatever they may be, to lead and do the right thing. And and again, we have to be careful. We're not talking about tyrant dictatorship style of leading, right? You know, yep. But leading in a direction that honors God. And and so if we take that a step further, okay, and we go, so so you're you're in that role, you're in that leadership role. You look at the example of the fall, Adam and Eve. But then you flip back to the New Testament where Jesus not only does it, but then tells the disciples, and his words are in John chapter 13, about what leadership is. What do we see there? So, like you said, he sits back and, and doesn't do anything. And then, a, and then a twisted idea of leadership is, I'm the man, and so whatever I say goes. Yeah. And so, you know, greater than kind of mentality. And so Jesus, like he said in John 13, when he's washing the disciples' feet at the Last Supper, he says, if, if this is John 13, 14, and 15, he said, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. What's he saying? Just because of my authority, my place of leadership, I'm, I'm not putting myself in a, an idea that I'm greater than you and I'm better than you and I'm going to tell you what to do and be your dictator. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to lead by example. Lead by example. Okay, and then so so he's washed their feet. He says to them, if I, then your Lord and teacher, wash your feet, you ought also wash one another's feet. And then he says in verse 15, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. And if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Servant leadership, he's saying you serve each other, and that's how you lead. That's how you lead. And listen to what he says. Isn't it interesting, verse 17, when he says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Not if you know them, mm. not if you can quote them, not if you can talk about them, but blessed are you if you do them. Do what? Put yourself under others and lead by example. So oftentimes I say this, in my marriage, if, if forgiveness needs to happen, I need to I need to lead out. What does the leader do? He leads out, so I need to forgive first. Right. If, if, if mercy needs to be given, and I'm not saying that I do that perfectly, now please don't misunderstand that. Mm. But but that's what leadership is. The leader leads out. So if forgiveness needs to happen, he, we forgive first. If if mercy needs to be given, then, then we lead out. We start the mercy process, you know? Right. Absolutely. It's really neat. If y'all are listening, you wanted to read that yourself in the Gospel of John and New Testament, where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. It, it's an interesting story. It's in John chapter 13. Terry, you know, one thing that jumps out at me is right before that. Remember how, like, he was going to wash their feet, and Peter jumps up and goes, you're not washing my feet. I'm not allowing that. You're you're the son of God. You're not washing my feet. Jesus says to him, well, um, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. And Peter immediately changed his tune. He's like, all right, then, not only my feet, but my hands and my head. Wash them all. I mean, he went from hot to cold just like that. Hey, notice something there, Matt, because he went from, his, he was out of position in authority. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, I'm going to wash your feet. He says, no, you're not. So he took the position of authority. Yeah. And then Jesus said, well, okay, if that's the position you're going to lead in, but I, I, you don't have a part of me. Well, then he still tries to take that position of leadership. He says, no, okay, then wash all of him. Jesus says, no, yeah. I'm still the humble leader. Yeah. I'm only going to wash your feet. So we had, you know, what a, what a picture there yeah. of the ultimate authority of Jesus, you know? Well, and how often, I'm, I'm like Peter. I, I need so often Jesus oh, to look right too. at me and say, hey, listen, Matt, 
you're not in charge, buddy. You're Me not too, in. Man. You're not in charge here. I need that every day. Yep. <laughs> Me too. Me yeah. too. That's great. But then I also need him to say, Terry, you are in this position. I've called you to be the leader here, so I need right. you to lead. Lead humbly. Lead. Lead as a servant. Lead as an example. Right. Don't dictate. Don't don't be a tyrant. You know. Right. L- servant leadership. Follow my example is what he's saying. That's so good. Hey, think about for a second, real quick, man. Back in Genesis, <clears throat> after that fall, when God came looking for them, and just to speak for a minute about, you know, male are not the only leaders, but in the family, in the marriage relationship, when they fail, hey, when He comes looking for them, He didn't call Adam and Eve's name; He calls Adam's name, yes, singularly. Yeah. You know, in Genesis three six through nine, He says, "Adam, where are you?" Singular. Mm-hmm. And so I remind guys that you know, hey, be careful about being passive. Because if you, you may dodge responsibility here, but we will not dodge accountability there. Whoo! Write that down. Come on. We may dodge responsibility here, but we will not dodge accountability there. That's good. If I had a great memory, I wouldn't write it down, but I'm going to have to write that one down, Terry. <laughs> hey, again, uh, hey, again, again, we say help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus, no doubt. Terry, I really appreciate it, man. It's great to wind the week up that way. Thanks for helping us out with some Bible questions, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Thank you. I always enjoy it, Matt. Same here. Me too. That's Terry Fant. He's the pastor at Hickory Ridge Baptist Church in Florence. Y'all check out his podcast, Truth For Today with Terry Fant. You'll enjoy that. See y'all next week. For Beaver, I'm Matt. All of us here on the show. See you then. See ya. See ya.